I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She, a podcast where women who are leaders in their industries, companies, and most importantly, their lives, share inspiring stories about obstacles they've overcome. 40 years of working in a male-dominated industry has prepared me for the task of interviewing these courageous, successful women and to share stories and insights of my own along the way. Listen up, future leaders. This is Leading She. In this episode, I interview Laura Brunner, a go-getter female leader who's attacked whatever challenge was put in front of her head-on. We discuss topics including coming into brand new career roles with no experience and excelling, being underestimated, and the power of being a change agent. Welcome, Laura. Thanks. It's great to be here. (laughs) Glad to have you here. Um, Let's start by uh, you and I know each other. I think one of the first times we met is when you gave me a recommendation when you worked for a consulting group called Partners in Change. Right. Yes. And you gave me Darcy. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was our she was our person that came in for literally ten years to my company. That's crazy. She mm-hmm. was great. She mm-hmm. was great for my company and really gave us a lot of good advice. Goal setting each year, we'd bring her in a couple times a year. Right. So. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, why don't you start by telling us about what the port does in Cincinnati, and then go into talking about your career, kind of where you started and, and where you ended up. Uh, it's kind of a crazy story. None of it makes sense. <laughs> but the, the port is an economic development organization. We're quasi-governmental, formed by the city and the county jointly. And basically, in the, in the ecosystem of economic development, we're in the real estate place. And so we are working on real estate that is broken, where the private sector can't make money um, investing in the real estate. So we're coming in to subsidize that in the hopes that then we're catalyzing the private market to follow us. Mm-hmm. And we do that in neighborhoods. We do that with industrial land throughout the county. And then we do it in our public finance practice as well, where additional gap financing is required for complex projects. Mm-hmm. I've worked on a few projects. We financed Encore Apartments with North American Properties, and I'm familiar with the method of the port owning the property such that there is a benefit to developers around uh, sales tax. Right, right. There's a cost reduction because sales tax is not paid when uh, port authorities own real estate in the state of Ohio. Okay, and then, but that is an income source for you, right? We have um, finance fees from that similar to the way you would, yes. and um, but no appreciation from the real estate itself. Okay, so you own it, I think it's for a duration of 10 right, years we have a lease. or so, mm-hmm. and yes. then there's you buy it back for a dollar, right. a minimal right. amount. Right. Okay. Yeah, so um, you've had one of the most interesting careers. <laughs> uh, uh, I know that you were with a CPA when you got out of school and worked for a CPA firm, and then I may get these out of order, but I do remember that you went into consulting at one point with partners in change. And um, then you had the opportunity to head one of the largest commercial brokerage firms in the city. And that was a, an interesting move. And I, I've been watching your career all this time. And then, and then you worked for a commercial real estate developer, and then now you are with the port. So it's been an interesting career. And I think the thing that I've been fascinated by is how adaptable you are to all these roles that you move into these. And it's like, wow, yeah, she's she will be good there. She'll be good there, you know, and tell me about that. Well, I think that the most 
uh, I, I certainly have no regrets about my career, but it makes no sense. And if I had to do all over again, I probably would have majored in real estate from the beginning. I was at um, graduated from IU in the business school, which has a, had always had a really wonderful real estate program. I was in accounting. And um, so I, I regret that I didn't get started in real estate a long time ago. But accounting is a great foundation, no matter what you're going to do in your life. Um, being an accountant is a, is, is a really good foundation. You understand the way you know, the world works financially, and that's always uh, really important. My husband and I were both um, accounting majors, worked for the same CPA firm in Indianapolis for a couple of years after we graduated. Mm-hmm. Paul and, Brunner, your yes, husband. Yes, mm-hmm. and then Paul was made an offer to move to Cincinnati to be assistant controller at United Dairy Farmers. Okay, And that's that. what um, brought us here mm-hmm. in 1982, a very long time ago. And I stayed in public accounting, worked at Ripping Kingston for a couple of years, and then um one of the my colleagues at Ripping Kingston, Pat Burke, left to start his own CPA firm, and I joined him a few months later and was partners with him for about six and a half years before I left and went to Barton Stenig. I had some larger clients I was working on and needed the framework of a larger CPA firm. So I stayed then at Barton Stenig for uh, 10 years. But during that time at Barton Stenig, uh, the partners at that time went through and mini MBA course at Xavier. There were seven partners at the time. And as we went through this, you know, executive education session at Xavier, um, some of the partners, five of them said, oh my God, why am, why am I learning all this? I'm a CPA and I want to stay in that lane. And two of us are like, why the heck are we CPAs? The rest of this <laughs> is so much more interesting. And so the two of us started a consulting practice within the CPA firm and really were became kind of self-taught um, consultants. I really taught myself strategic planning and then aligned with the Chamber of Commerce's, Commerce's strategic eight program. I took mm-hmm. that over. And it was after that then, uh, after a couple of years, uh, wanting to grow my consulting practice, I needed to have additional partners, and you can't have partners in a CPA firm that aren't CPAs. So I left the accounting firm Barnstanig, rented space from them, and started Partners in Change with Darcy okay. Bean and uh, Kathy Delora. Mm-hmm. And we practiced together for four years. Um, I, at that time, I was doing strategic planning and CEO coaching, um, and enjoyed it very much and and probably wouldn't have changed that if I hadn't had a phone call from Kevin Hughes, who invited me to launch the Queen City Club. And as a consultant, whenever you get those phone calls from somebody new, I, was, I thought I was a prospect. I thought I was going to lunch to you know get an opportunity to get a new client. And instead, he recruited me to be the managing principal of Collier's Turley Martin Tucker, which is now the Cushman Wakefield office, right. to manage the Cincinnati and Dayton offices. And I was just blown away by the prospect of leaving kind of the safe world of accounting and consulting, but very energized by the opportunity to do something completely different. I'd been telling people what to do for so long, and now I had a chance to see if I could actually do it myself. Right. You did a great job. I I followed your career there. From there, you went on to work with a commercial developer, commercial real estate developer. Yes. So Al Nyer had been a consulting client of mine um, during those years. And I actually had been on the board of that company when I was a consultant and and stayed in touch with the CEO, Dave Nyer, while I was at CTMT. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, occasionally asked me if I was willing to join the team. And having learned enough about real estate in my years at, at the brokerage firm, I decided I wanted to get more in the deals rather than managing the people that are in the deals. And so it was a good opportunity, despite the time, you know, 2008 wasn't the best time to join a real estate development firm. But I really yeah. learned a lot there. Oh, yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you had the opportunity to work with the port. Had yes. The port. Yes. Uh, I had reached a point um, 
at the development firm where I was ready to make a change and um, was talking to Steve Leeper about that. And he suggested that I apply for the job at the port, but I better hurry because applications were due the next day. I didn't know exactly what the heck the Port Authority was, went home and did a, f- a massive amount of research that night, filled out my application and put it in the next day and um, made the final six uh, candidates in, within the next week or two. And um, I'm very happy that it's been seven and a half years now. Yeah, you're doing a great job there, too, and making a lot of great changes. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm, the thing I'm impressed the most about you know the all of these sort of securitous route to where you are now <laughs> is that... You move into something like a Cushman Wakefield, CTMT at the time, and you, even though you don't know everything maybe that you feel like you should, you are taking the risk that whatever, you'll lay track as you go, and you'll figure it out when you get there. And that's not a common uh, characteristic of women, I think, is is safe to say, you know, that we take, you know, you took the risk that you will figure it out, whatever you need to do, and you got in there and did it. And you did the same thing with the port and the commercial developer, Al Nyer, right? I'm a risk taker. For better or worse, <laughs> I am a risk taker. You know, I fall down mountains and I make mistakes all yeah. the time, but uh, that is a hallmark. And, and actually, you know, as I look back on it, I don't know how the heck I ended up as a CPA, which you know, traditionally is a risk-adverse risk yes. profession. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, you do. And I, I do, too. I've taken risks in my career, and people are saying, why are you, why are you making that change? Because it feels like something that gets me excited right. about coming into work. And mm-hmm. I don't know everything, but I will figure right. it out, right. you know, that kind of thing. Right. And I think that vulnerability is what allows you to ask for help. You know, I've always been if you're going to take a risk, you can't be also arrogant and think you have all the answers right. because you know, you're going to make too many mistakes. So what you have to say is, I don't know this. Please help me. I want to learn. I want to help you. And so I've always been you know, transparent in that sense. Right. And I've really never in my career until I came to the port been as far out of over my skis as you know that that job I literally knew nothing about when I started um, not only did I not know the subject matter I didn't know um, how different it was going to be to be in the public sector versus the private sector and so I had to pull people in close to me from the very very beginning saying I need you mm-hmm. and let's do this together right and asking for help there's a message there mm-hmm. for, for women is yes. don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to look stupid by asking questions because you know you're smart. I right. know I'm smart. We need to have confidence in our intelligence. But just because we don't know it doesn't mean we're not smart. So ask the questions, and that's how you I lay think, track as I, you go. I think that, that there is something there that is um, counterintuitive. That asking for help is a sign of confidence. It's not a sign of weakness. I agree with that. And I think that that hits on two vulnerabilities for women. You know, th- we often don't have enough confidence, and we're not willing to be vulnerable enough. And I think you have to be both of those things. Yeah, great message. Great message. Tell me a little about your personal life. Where you grew up? Um, you went to IU. My daughter went there as graduate. Uh, what? Uh, where did you grow up? What? Uh, tell me about siblings. Uh, your family life. I grew up in South Bend, Indiana. Um, which right now has the one of the most famous mayors in the country, yes. who's a pre- presidential candidate. It um, really amazes me. And I uh, met my husband in high school. 
uh, my junior year of high school. I got yeah. married right after I graduated from high school when I was 18. Uh, we'll have our 42nd anniversary this summer. Oh my gosh. I know. It is amazing to me as well. So I started off college as a married woman. My husband was one year ahead of me and went through school in two years and nine months. I don't know why. You know, why, I don't know why I was in such a big rush because um, now I regret that I didn't have more time there. But it was a great way to start a, a married life as long as you're with the right person. Right. And uh, what we did, though, was wait 11 years to have children. So we started off married young, but really enjoyed our 20s and started our careers, got them launched and secure. That's one of the pieces of advice I've often given women is make sure that you're valuable before you have children. <laughs> Give yourself leverage mm-hmm. in your profession because you need flexibility. You know, And to have the flexibility, you need to be um, valuable. And right. so we enjoyed our 20s and started our family um, in late 20s. Mm-hmm. And what, and what uh, when you say make sure you're valuable, and I, I, I think I know what you mean, but be more specific there. I think it's just a matter of, in these days, I think most women are waiting to have children anyway mm-hmm. until they're a little bit older. I think it's, be, you know, uh, find a place where you're comfortable, where you know you want to stay a while, mm-hmm. and uh, be performing well. I mean, get 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 yourself settled, right. and because I also think that it's really important that women make the changes to find a job, a career that they really enjoy. I it took me a very long time to do that. Really, I would say, you know, this job is the first time I've been the happiest I've ever been in my career. And I was 54 Mm -hmm. um, when I took the job. So that was waiting way too long. But overall, make those changes, get settled in. And then you've automatically have leverage, you know, if you're doing what you're meant to do. Right. And and I think the message there is, uh, make yourself valuable in that you learn as much as you can, you make the guy or person, woman you report to, make their job as easy as you can and and become valuable so that uh, they look good and they start to depend on you. And there you can ask for more money right. and, and right. have more and opportunities. And the flexibility. Yeah. Well, and I think you're hitting on such a, a critical thing, this idea of first focus on making somebody else look good right because that is a key part of your own advancement right it, that's an also not a sign of weakness yes right. it's self-serving but you are also uh, you know helping that person look to you to be dependable my mother you know rose the ranks of uh, at Wright Patterson Air Force Base <sighs> by doing that by helping the Gen- general Brill was her boss and and so he just be, you know came to the point where he really relied on mm-hmm. her he was, right. she was very organized very a lot of skills and so that's not a bad thing to have someone rely upon you right. because it can benefit you right. from money and then and you just have to and then you just have to distinguish when are you being the helper right <laughs> you know you don't you want to help somebody be very valuable until such time as it's your turn mm-hmm. it's your turn for that promotion or that advancement and then you move into a role where uh, others are helping you right and, you know you don't want to you know always be just the helper but don't see that as um a weakness either right yeah good advice um so you were uh, had children when you were uh, like twenty nine or so. Yep, your right, first yep, child so I was born when I was twenty nine. And um, so, um, did you? What kind of family did you grow up in? Your parents? Um, my parents. I have three younger brothers. I one of them is um, deceased. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was uh, fifteen. So I'm a um, I'm an old oldest child and a 
you know, basically a pretty self-sufficient person. That's one of the reasons I got married so young is that I was pretty much raising myself through my teenage years, started working when I was 16, you know, supporting myself in almost every way. Yeah. So that, you know, I, I still have a lot of those characteristics mm-hmm. of, you know. Yeah, it molded you into, mm-hmm. into absolutely, and there are strengths there, being right. independent and, and uh, self, you know, uh, focused right. and self-reliant. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Um You've always done a lot of uh, nonprofit work and have been an active volunteer in that regard. How would you, you know, tell women? How does nonprofit work and those kind of things benefit you? Well, it's it's. I think that's a really interesting part of my life. Actually, uh, I did not grow up in a family with any kind of community service, but. My husband's um, mother was always very involved, and she was a junior leaguer. And so right after I graduated from college and moved to Indianapolis, I joined the junior league, and it was completely foreign to me. The whole kind of status of that organization, Mm -hmm. the fact that most of the women were not working, the whole um, society women was brand new to me. But it exposed me to a lot of different opportunities. I stayed in junior league when we moved here two years later, but very quickly transitioned out because in Cincinnati there it was really um, focused more on the non-working women and got involved um, at the symphony as a volunteer at the symphony. And Paul and I started working at auctions. We were the CPAs that would work at the auctions for the May Festival, for the symphony, for the opera. Um, we kind of did the circuit um, doing the accounting during the nights of, the, of these big um, gala events that had auctions. And then rose through the ranks of um, the volunteer side of the symphony and then went through, and I was active in the Cincinnati Women's Society of CPAs, you know, trade organization. Mm-hmm. And then I um, was invited to or encouraged to apply uh, to Leadership Cincinnati when I was young. I was just an, uh, like 31 that. years old. So mm-hmm. I was a young member of Leadership Cincinnati. And after coming through that program, which was really transformational for me, I was positioned to get on boards. So I joined the, uh, at that time, the, Chil- the Children's Museum Board and the Ballet Board. Mm-hmm. And if I flash forward, um, and look back on my career, I can realize that during uh, probably a decade, 10, 15 years of my career, I got my real satisfaction out of my volunteer work. Those years when I was bored in my career, I didn't know I was bored in my career, but I gravitated toward this volunteer work that was very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And now I realize that my this job I would not have had if I hadn't made the contacts that I made over the years in my volunteer civic work, because I was kind of playing up. I was exposed to higher profile people yes. inside of the city through my volunteer work than mm-hmm. I was through my my professional career. And I needed those contacts as I applied for this very high profile job. Right. You know, I get that. And I've had the same experience. I get juice from giving back. Boys Hope, Girls Hope Board, I was on for eight years. I was on the YWCA for women. Mm-hmm. I was on that board for six years. So I love that board service. And if it paid more, I'd do a lot more of it. <laughs> but it, uh, but there are some great contacts that you make. And All right. you and I are both career women of achievement with the YWCA. So right. that, that's been a benefit. And I've gotten to know a lot of women in that organization through right. that. Right, right. Um, so, but you develop contacts, you did board service, which gave you, gave you two things, at least two things. One is that it gave you that, that good feeling of giving back and, and, uh, that experience, but then also developing some contacts, right. uh, which were important. And, and developing leadership skills. Um, uh, I always tell people it's easy to get promoted if you're not getting paid. Yes. So you, if you're in volunteer work and you just do what you say you're going to do, and you know, raise your hand and say, "I'll take that task on." You get promoted. You get, you know, 
committee assignments and then committee mm-hmm. leadership and then you can get on the actual board and you know work your way up to higher levels of responsibility and you that those skills apply back to your professional career mm-hmm. how to run meetings right uh, how yeah. to manage conflict right and it's a great way to get that experience you're not being paid for it the expectations are not great right. just like you, hey give us your time right you can't mess up i mean right. you're not going to get fired right and if you're good yeah. and you're organized right. and you do what you say you're going to yep. do like you've said you know you will be recognized right i've dealt with some very complex issues in my time as president of boards that is very valuable in mm-hmm. my professional career sure um let's talk about the time when you uh left uh, consulting, Partners in Change, uh, and started with CTMT, now Cushman Wakefield. And I'm in the commercial real estate business. Mm -hmm. I know that it's uh, very male-dominated. There's a lot of testosterone. There's a lot of very driven men, very male-dominated field. There are women in it that are very successful, but it's dominated by men. And that firm especially, it's one of the top firms in town. I know a lot of the guys there. I used to work alongside them in the, in the 90s. So uh, I know them, uh, a lot of them. Uh, some of them I don't know. They're younger. But um, what was that like? You come into this male-dominated... I, I left the safe world of an accounting consulting firm where that was passive and polite. And I found myself in a locker room. Yes. Was, oh my God, this is a locker room. And the language and they're, they're tobacco chewing. chewing. T- yes, the tobacco I chewing. I, that, I was just flabbergasted by that. And so it took a while just to tame them. You know, I was, that was one of the goals here is to tame them. And, but then it was also obviously energizing. It was fun to be around all that um, ambition and competitiveness. Yes. And I found that I was able to win them over kind of one by one. None of them had worked with, with and certainly not for a woman before. So it, it took a while to win them over and to help them understand that my only goal was to help them be more successful, that we we're all going to be more successful if they were more successful. And that perhaps there were some opportunities to learn some softer skills. And uh, Right. And to open themselves yes. up to, well, maybe you know, maybe Laura, when she pulls out her chart, I remember you talking yeah. about pulling right. out the chart, and right. like, okay, here we go. And they're like, oh, here we go. Right. You know, yeah. right. I don't need this. I need to go make my deals, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, and a couple of things here. One is, um, I, I, I think uh, you and I may, might agree on this, that uh, maybe you were underestimated when you were brought on. That 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 you have a lot of strengths that maybe weren't seen when you first came there. Do you, fe- right. do you feel that way? I think that, that maybe some of the expectations were that I was just going to be the office manager. Yeah, you know that that maybe there were people that thought I would be behind the scenes, just keeping track of things and right. being organized, negotiating fee splits. Like, right. oh, well, he deserves this, yeah. you deserve that, and a lot of times that position is about fee right. splits and right. breaking the. There's up the fights. part of that, and and I so I think I shaped it maybe differently than some people's expectations. And there are people that were surprised that I ended up in the front and that I was with the guys at the front and I was a part of their outward, their external facing activities and that I took on, you know, gained their confidence and really helped them in ways that nobody anticipated from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's a part of, I think, what, not all women have this, but if you want to make a gender new, you know, gender statement, I think I have this, and I think you have it, and that is we have an emotional intelligence. We have an instinct for people, 
And that's one of the strengths I have in my career. I've met, I meet people, I figure out what makes them tick, and right. I relate to them somehow. Right. And, and I, I had, sales. I had multiple men in that organization say to me, how in the heck do you know that? Mm-hmm. Because I, I did know where their vulnerabilities were, where their insecurities were, what they needed to be more successful. And I would just say, A, I'm a woman, yep. and B, I do have an emotional intelligence. And uh, you have no... Ho- chance with me. Right. Oh, I'm going to be ahead of you. Right. Sorry. <laughs> it's like a sixth sense. I, I got that from my mom, and I and I can't really always verbalize it, mm-hmm. but I can feel energy when I come into the room. I can feel your energy right now. I can, I just feel it, and, and it's, I can't really you put can my do something finger with on it. it but, <laughs> I, but it gives me information uh-huh. right. that That's helps valuable. me get mm-hmm. what I need or right. figure out how to do business together, right. Right. you know? Exactly. So you came in and, um, you know, some you know uh, driven personalities, and you won a lot of them over, and I, uh, became I, a really effective I became, leader. And I'm still close to many of them, and, and I have the benefit of working with them as well. So mm-hmm. it was a really, really good choice for me to join that company. Right. Do you feel like, uh, as an executive within that firm, I think there was they were based in St. Louis, right? Do you right. feel like the executives within the company support were supportive? Oh, I think probably to varying degrees. Uh, I think that there were challenges in whether they wanted um, discourse at all from anybody. And I think the rest of them had grown up together more, and they really had fallen into a pattern of, okay, we let things, you know, decisions are made this way. And I came in, I'd been a consultant, for heaven's sake, and a strategic planner. So I thought there should be a lot more debate and discussion and discourse than probably any of them wanted, regardless of whether I'd been a man or a woman. But I also do think there were times when I was excluded. Um, Maybe not intentionally, but, um, you know, the result was I was excluded, and perhaps because of a lot of the bonding that had already happened between the men. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that happens. You it know, it that, does. Uh, We're can, on the. We are on the sidelines. We know, are a lot of the time. Yeah, I don't. I refuse to be a cheerleader. Um, I think sometimes I think of myself as a the little sis in a fraternity. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, at least be in. I'm like yeah, part exactly. of it, but I'm not yeah. really Re- part of it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, the den mother. The den mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the times we had lunch, I remember you said uh, we were talking about a women's organization, and you said, I, "I'm, you know, and you've been in women's organizations like the CPA group, um, but you said something that I haven't forgotten. This was years ago. We had lunch. You said men have the power, <laughs> so we need to be associated with men. We need to get along with men. We need to collaborate. We need to." Right, um, and so tell me about that. Talk I think about that, there, that there's a balance, you know, and unfortunately everything is about balance. W- women support each other, should support each other. Women need to have um, spend enough time with each other so that we have a safe place to be vulnerable and to learn from each other and share experiences. And I think that's important. But that's not where we should be spending all of our time. We have to be there with the men. We have to learn how to. Um, demonstrate that we belong as peers with the men. And I think that uh, there are a lot of women that, that shy from that. And whether it's playing golf, hanging out at the bars, um, going on the retreats, you know, I wouldn't, I think I shared with you yeah, a, story the, a story when, yeah. it, when I was with the brokerage firm and we were in St. Louis for an executive um, committee session. And there were probably... Uh, 40, 50 people there for this education session that was attached to it. And after the cocktail hour, 
people started breaking up to go to decide where they're going to go to dinner. And I will say that the women, the only women that were there in attendance were the property management women. And not to um, disparage that group of very talented women that were very, very important to that organization, but they weren't the executive committee members. They weren't the managing directors of the different offices. They were not my peers. They were not the top paid brokers. They weren't executives. They were not right? executives. They were just a yes. Not to say they, they didn't have the power, very, right? They, they did not have, have the, the power. power. And as we we started to break up into um, dinner groups, I hung was standing there next to two of my top brokers, top producing brokers, and they said, "Okay, well we're getting ready to go to dinner." And I said, "Yes, where are we going?" And they said, "Well, what do you mean?" And I said, where are we going? And they said, well, aren't you, one of them said, aren't you going with the women to dinner? And I looked aghast at him and said, why would I be doing that? And he said, well, that's what my wife would be doing. And I said, well, I'm not your wife. (laughs) Who has the power here? He said, we do. I said, why would I not want to be with the people that have power? I am an executive in this company. And he just was like stood there staring at me. I mean, they'd never had a woman go out to dinner with them before. And I went out to dinner with them. And as I recall, I think I hit him over the head too that night. Yeah. So you went out to dinner with them. I you went were out the to only, dinner with them. only woman. Of course. And, uh, yeah, I've been there, I don't know how many times, the, the only woman. And, you know, a lot of different experiences. They're afraid to curse around you. They're afraid to yeah. talk, tell off-color jokes. I mean, or you know, they Or they do it... Too aggressively trying right. to shock intimidate you, you shock and, you. Oh, yeah. Susan, sorry if we offended yeah, you. Right. You know, yeah, that kind exactly. of thing. Yeah, I've been through that as well. Nope. And yeah, I will I've got three brothers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't effing care. <laughs> I'll tell a joke too. Um, but that's that's a great story. I have a similar story I'll tell briefly. Uh, my associate partner and I were uh, planning on, we'd taken a group of clients out to dinner one night, and uh, we were playing golf the next day, teeing off about 8 o'clock. And somebody else was, one of the clients said, I'm going to have this guy play with us. So all of a sudden, our foursome became five. And then, um, you know, he that, said... That has to get solved, right? It has <laughs> to get solved, right? Um, if, if, if the course only wants four to play at a time. And he said, Susan, um, why don't you play? I, I just called my wife. She's going to come, and uh, she's going to play you know, behind it, you can play behind us and she'll play with you. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I'm I don't not know playing your wife. with your wife. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. Well, you'll enjoy play. You know, she's what well, you can play from the same tees, you know, the whole thing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. She's already on her way to meet us here, you know, but I, I'm not going to play with your wife. Now, what I wish I had said, as I look back, I, I wish I'd said, why don't we make play three and two mm-hmm. or why don't we play five? You know, right. we can play five, right. but nobody really kind of fought I, for me. Yeah, exactly. You know? To think that the answer is take the woman out. Take the woman out or have another uh-huh. woman come right. play right. and Susan can play with her I know. because she's a slow pet player after all, <laughs> which I'm not. I play as fast as anyone and, you know, I'm an okay golfer. I keep up, you know, I'm not a great golfer, but it was really, it's one of those stories where right. it's like, they don't, they don't yeah, really get it. didn't get cross it. their minds, it right? didn't, they mm-hmm. didn't get it, so... Yeah, what, one of the things we talked about, what have you learned? What advice would you give to women around when you have in mind what's the right thing to do and you have kind of an agenda on 
the best way to go about it? What advice would you give around pushing an agenda or having something that you really are passionate about and pursuing it? And is this person a, at what level is this person? Is it, is this, you know, young women early in their careers? Because I, I think the challenges are different at, at each phase. Yeah, I think, I think where I'm going here is, and I've, I, when I was early in my career, just to kind of give you, set the stage for this, early in my career, I didn't understand politics. Mm-hmm. All I, all I thought was, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to outperform, ambitious, driven, okay? Um, and I can see you relate to mm-hmm. that. But I didn't understand all that of it's the not simmering ab- it's stuff. Not ab- yeah, it's not all done objectively. No, it's not. And, and decisions are yeah, made right. you know, behind so the doors. It, it's really, I'm, I'm driving at politics. Right. You know? And I didn't really right. understand politics for probably the first 10 years or more of oh, my I, career. Yeah, I think it took me a, a, a lot longer than that. Yeah. And I think I still... I'll have more to learn. But I would encourage women, no matter where they are in their careers, that they've got to understand, take the time to understand the motives of different people. Because that's really what politics is. It's who will benefit from what decisions getting made. And you have to take time to understand that, which means that you've got to build relationships. You've got to build relationships on kind of a 360 degree level. Uh, you have to, you know, ask your peers, you know, ask the assistants. The assistants have a lot of information. I've learned that right? too. Yes. Right. Get close to them. And they're quiet often. They're but quiet. They but, know what's going well, and, on. And, <laughs> the good ones. Yes. <laughs> showing respect um, to them, I think will get you a long ways. Um, finding mentors within your organization that can give you advice. So it I think it circles back to our earlier conversation about be vulnerable, ask for help, uh, ask for advice, and don't ever assume that just because it's the right answer that it will be accepted. Yeah, even though it's, it's, it seems like the right answer, the right. obvious answer, the most logical thing to do, there are too many other things going on often. Right. You know, that we and don't it, always see. Right. right. And I think women to have, that's where we have a disadvantage because we're not in the you know the lo- the locker room right. the smoking cigar room the bathroom the men's, the men's yes exactly a lot of things go on conversations I know. I know. go and when you and I are right. like, go in and you know nobody right. else is in there right. they're in there they're talking together. the meeting before uh-huh. the meeting yes. or after the meeting right. we know what goes on <laughs> so we we just have to ask more questions yeah. in order to catch up right definitely so i have learned that the hard way um, that you can't underestimate politics you have to have to understand you know, how politics work. Right. And when I sold my company to this large company, Northmark, I really told myself, decide which battles you want to take on. Mm-hmm. Decide what you want to push. Because this is a, an excellent company, and there are a lot of really good, nice people in Minneapolis. We call it the city of nice people. <laughs> and so I said, I will fight for things that I b- believe strongly in that I think are important, but I will keep my mouth shut a whole lot more than I have in my career. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I've had that same experience since since I came to this job as well. And I finally, you know, at age 54, I came to the realization that you have to draw lines in the sand and not lines in concrete. Yes. I've spent a lot of my career saying, this is right. You know, I'm right. You're wrong. You should listen to me. I should get more respect. And I've left m- multiple positions in my career mm-hmm. for that reason, that yeah. I wasn't getting enough respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, I decided that, oh, well, you can't, like you said, you can't win every battle. Right. And you're not always right. Or even if you're always right, 
people don't want to always be wrong. <laughs> you know, right. they, you can't let you know make people feel like they're always wrong and you're always right. Right. So I think that that flexibility I've certainly come to appreciate now because I realized when I came to this job that this is where I belong. This is the job I want to have for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. I have to be more flexible in order to keep it. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, it's really like taking on, because I'm a fighter, I will stand up yeah. and I will fight for things that are important to me, but some things aren't worth it. Right. And the outcome is you win the battle, but you lose the war. I know. I think that that's one of the most important things that we have probably have both learned in our careers, yes. that on one hand, this confidence we talk about, this um aggressive personality, you know, great salesperson, you know, I'm, right. I'm a great influencer, all these wonderful things. But I'm sure over the course of my career, I've just worn people out. <laughs> and that's not all good. I mean, you're not, all, you're not yeah. alone. And I yeah. have too. But we've learned, right? Through right. experience and right. age, a little right. wisdom. So I think that, you know, I'd, I would encourage, I want to encourage young women to be confident and to fight for themselves. But to also step back and maybe get advice from some of our the wise older women, the veterans, the <laughs> veterans, to know when to stand down, right? Because stand you can't down. fight. You can't fight everything, every and you'll get a reputation of just right. like she's never happy. So she's it's never... nuanced. Stand up for yourself, but don't fight every battle. Don't okay? fight. That's a hard. And you can battle. have controlled anger. You can you can uh, uh, say here are the facts. Let's stick to the facts right. about why I see this as wrong, and I'd be open to your opinion. I mean, there's a softer yep. way to do right. it without right, right, right. bulldozing them. Um, give me an example or a story, anything where you know you're like me. You're you're driven. You want to you want to advance in your career. Where you might have been up for a promotion um, and you didn't get it in, in your career. What any any stories there? Well, there there have probably been a, at least a couple of times in my career, and it really relates back to the previous story here about lines of the sand, where I I felt that I should have been um, selected either as the CEO or the managing partner of my um, organization, and was passed over. And I don't know that I've handled it particularly well. And if I go back in time. I think the discussion we just had could have changed things. I think if I had been maybe more diplomatic and not so righteous, I might have um, gotten... Still be there? I might still be there. Yeah. And I say that, and then at the same time, I this is the job I want for the rest of my career. So things mm-hmm. happen for a reason. You know, and I maybe I just had to learn some of those lessons and go through yeah. some bumps you know, along yeah. the way to get to a place where... All my past experiences help me now. I've got to deal with a lot of conflict in my job right now. I'm sure. And I've learned through my own career how to handle some of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I you know, I think a lot of times we when we are passed over for promotion and we say, "Hey, you know, this is this isn't right. I deserve it." Da, 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 da. And yeah, maybe you do, but uh, if you if you kind of get out of the looking in the mirror self-blame, what was going on within that company that where it might have been out of your control where they thought okay we might hire Laura but we might hire this other guy too and Laura will understand she's mm-hmm. a team player right right well i do think that that's a piece of this as well some some of it i might have brought on myself and in other cases i i am a good soldier and me too and so i think there've probably been times where the the senior leadership assumed that whatever decision they made I would accept it. Right. You'd go along, be a good soldier and uh, salute. Right. 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 
So, and I'm sure that's the case of women in many situations, that there's an assumption that we're going to fall in line. Mm -hmm. Right. And was there anything that you felt like you, if you look back, you could have done to say before it, before the decision was made where you said, I want to let you know that if, if you're thinking about making any changes, I, I aspire to be, you know, to head this company, anything like that? I think I, yes, I think that I probably could have had more of the conversations um, earlier rather than just assuming that it was obvious that I you was the one. more just, yeah, right. that was the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you were too. Mm-hmm. I think you, <laughs> they missed, um, yeah, last question I wanted to uh, focus on is um, talking about your daughter, Haley. She's 27. Yes. She lives in Manhattan, and she is working for a consulting firm. Yes. And uh, I understand that she asks you for advice uh, as things come up in her career, her early, early in her career. And just wanted to talk about is- any issues she's facing um, and how you have advised her. Well, it's interesting that... Being what thirty three years younger than me, the issues are the same. You know, the, things haven't changed. Our daughters are still facing some of the same challenges, and uh, we we talk often. We talked last night uh, um, about kind of the situational leadership that she needs going through circumstances. She's in a male dominated dominated field, and she's. Um, has to fight to be heard. She has to fight to have her own opinions um, credited to her rather than to just be the helper and have other people take credit for it. Right. She gets talked over. And one of the things I think is interesting is that in this generation, there's so much telephonic, um, you know, so many people working remotely and their conversations, um, meetings are happening telephonically a lot, mm-hmm. which then takes away the opportunity to... You know, lean in, make sure you know you you're seen. You have eye contact. Right. It's so it's so it's just who's talking. So it's hard to interrupt a man. It's hard to you know when it's just voices. I think that's a you know right. And, a it, and they are louder, and their voices are deeper. And and so I I'm a big one. I think you are too. To project your voice. You know, speak at a higher volume sometimes, but project it. Make sure you're heard mm-hmm. and don't have that Minnie Mouse voice, what right. I call. Right. Make sure it's oh, a ab- solid yeah. adult Absolutely. woman voice right. with, that commands, mm-hmm. you know, respect and right. authority, right? Right. But she's um, learning to, you know, obviously advocate for herself, and uh, she's finding the mentors inside of her company that can be helpful to her. And it's fun to see her... Uh, make progress there. Mm-hmm. I will say that in previous companies where she's worked, she has faced some sexual, har- I'll say harassment situations, which it's staggering to me are still happening. She has seen them with peers um, in this kind of locker room atmosphere right. that exists in one organization and another organization. It was more of a senior um, manager um, making advances, mm-hmm. inappropriate advances at a company function. So the, the fact that that's still happening is really disappointing. Yeah, it really is. And the whole Me Too movement, I mean, I think it's getting a bad rap. It's just like, 
why can't we as women just expect you to behave yourself? Yeah. Right. Is that too much to right. ask? Right. Because you know? now there's this indignance like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I can't kiss you in the cheek. I can't do this. I can't right. do that. It's like, I can't oh, compliment yeah. your yes. hair or your Right. Wear. Right. And I'm like, Come no, on. no, we can, we, we're friends. Right. I, I kiss my friends. I hug my friends or right. whatever. We can act the same way we've always acted. Right. Um, but you can't act that way when you meet somebody for the first time. Don't kiss strangers. Right. <laughs> or don't like, you know, like the Joe Biden effect, you know, yeah. of like you know, touching uh, women right. their shoulders or right. you know, don't don't touch right. me. Right. It know? should be yeah, the rules. Just a hug, sh- and, you know, right. Kiss right. on the cheeks fine. You know? Right. When it when we know each other. Right. And you know, when that's our course of behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh so I agree. I don't. Th- certainly, we don't have this um, down. Was she surprised that with the sexual harassment? I, I talked to somebody else whose whose uh, relative, young relative, was surprised, and she said, "You know, you guys that have been at this for thirty years didn't tell us that this was still going on. Mm-hmm. Or, in other words, that that like yeah. it was part of our responsibility. But you know, it's like we didn't talk about it a lot. I mean, it went on, but we did. The, the awareness mm-hmm. is here now." So yeah, I think that well, a I grew up in, an, in the accounting profession where everyone is, um, I will say, very professional, and so <laughs> I didn't experience that as a young person myself. And the, the I think now the standards are higher. I mean, I, I think that you know my daughter's tolerance for behavior is um, is. She she has higher expectations than I probably did at the time, mm-hmm. um, and that's I think that's good. That part's good, mm-hmm. um, but once again, you know they've got to. You know, it's hard to learn, hard to have high expectations for the male uh, colleagues' behavior, and at the same time, be more confident and act like a guy. You know, yeah. You know, like, that, are you one of the guys, or are you a woman yeah, that happens to be working with the guys? You can't really go out and. Have a drink with someone. You can, but and it's you know it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just tough. Tricky. It's tricky. You know? I mean, women. It's just and it, that's not going to get better. No, it's not. I think we've we just got to have to keep maneuvering that day by day. Yeah. Well, good luck to Haley. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for joining me. I'm you know I've loved watching your career and uh, just love how how you take a stand. You're bold. Well, and, thank you, Susan. Uh, just, it's yeah. it's great to be with you. And you were yeah. ahead of me in the real estate field. So oh, I don't know. Kudos to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, you're welcome. All Thanks. Right. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Follow us on Instagram at Leading She. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have many great ideas for women leaders.